program continues this Wednesday morning, and I'm joined, uh, as I am every Wednesday during this hour, by Jeff Schlemmer and Robert Metz. Welcome to both of you. Morning, Thank you. We call this part of the show Left, Right, and Center because, uh, generally speaking, we take a look at issues of the day, and uh, my two guests uh, do not share the same, shall we say, political uh, philosophy or intellectual outlook. Uh, they tend to be somewhat to the right, whatever that means, Robert Metz, and somewhat to the left, whatever that means, Jeff Schlemmer. We've never entirely agreed on what that means anyway, but, but that's part of the fun in doing this. I want to ask you gentlemen today, given everything that's happening with Jean Charest, the talk about uh, Charest moving to Quebec, um, changing parties, which, and, and some people have said to me, well, how could he possibly do that? There's no credibility left at all if he changes party. Well, the reality is people, uh, prominent people have changed parties before Lucien Bouchard among them. Winston, Winston, Churchill. Winston Churchill crossed the floor twice. Um, so there's certainly lots of precedent for this, um, for changing your attitudes or a party changes and no longer uh, meets your attitudes. As we look at the Canadian spectrum, political spectrum today, though, it's confusing as hell. Here's... Charest, who many people on the right are saying is not a rightist anyway, get him out of here. He's, yeah, he's a charismatic leader, but he's not a Tory. He's not a right-winger. Get him out. Um, many members of the Tory party are saying, well, we're not right. We're not in the right either. We're, we're in the center. You know, it's the liberals who are on the right now. Uh, it is absolutely confusing to the average individual if you look beyond the labels. And I want to ask you two fellows, where do you think we are today in terms of left right and center in this country. People have said, people with, with greater understanding of it than, than I have, that we are essentially now being governed by a slightly right-wing government in the Liberals, although that's not what we expect from Canadian, the, Cana the, the Federal Liberal Party. Uh, Bob, let me ask you, since you, you are sort of on to the right side of the spectrum, wh where are we today in Canada? Is this, is this a, a country that's being influenced by rightist sensibilities? Um, not at all. I think Canada is wholeheartedly left-wing right throughout the spectrum with the exception of, of a few smaller parties and, and to some degree, I guess, the Reform Party. Um, I, I think with, with respect to a lot of the changes you're seeing going on between the parties, I think that is all about one issue, and that issue is Quebec. Mm -hmm and how Quebec can be brought into the fold or kept into the fold. But uh, you said in your introduction that, you know, even the three of us here haven't really agreed on what it means to be left, right, or center in, in, in the absolute sense. And I think that's very true when you try to stick those labels onto a person. Mm -hmm. But if you use those labels onto a policy or an idea, it can stick a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Yes. So if, if I was going to judge by policy and, and philosophy of the various parties, uh, if anything, Jean Charest's uh, uh, considering moving over to the Liberals would, to me, is a great indication and, and an illustration that, that the Liberals and Conservatives are really not that different in philosophy. In fact, when I first heard Jean Charest speak, my first question was, what the heck's this guy doing with the Conservative Party. He was absolutely not conservative at all. Mm -hmm. And so, if anything, that, that kind of shows how, how the same they are. What I see in the so-called right-wing movement today, including Harris's Tories, is not so much a right-wing attitude as an attitude towards uh, trying to bring left-wing programs and policies more efficiently through government. Somehow the right wing believes that its approach to fiscal responsibility um, is a more efficient way of, per, of, of creating these services and delivering these products. Or, you know, the government mm -hmm. shouldn't even really be in in the first place mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. But uh, that's really the only difference I see between the left and right in the popular spectrum. 
um, if you're talking liberal conservative. Jeff, uh, now you you certainly have identified yourself with with causes that might be you know quote leftist causes, social justice, social activism, and so on. Um, Bob says that essentially we are a left-wing country, and despite whatever labels we may hang on the parties. From your perspective, do you feel that, that your goals, the things you believe in, are they being addressed and representative in a, in a majority fashion across the country? No, I think that, uh, that if we're left today, we're a lot less left than we used to be. We are a more socialistic country than, than the United States, for instance, uh, that you know, you popularly associate with the left, but that uh, certainly there's been a uh, a pendulum swinging over the last decade or so more towards the right. We've seen the rise of the Reform Party is probably the most vivid example of that. But even the uh, the federal liberals uh, certainly have been far more right wing than uh, I expected they were going to be. And the Liberal Party, you know, the, the, is a populist party. Face it, the, the um, they're the ultimate populist party. Well, they, they talk really? proudly about not having not having. Um, ideologies that they basically want to figure out what people want and they want to do it and <laughs> that's how they stay in power so well um, you know and and they have identified a trend and, and ridden that trend and that is sort of a fiscal conservatency for the last several years where they've dug into the deficit much more aggressively in some ways than Mike Harris has, for instance. Um, so they, they've pursued what I would think of as a more right-wing agenda, albeit in the context, and I have to agree with Bob, that uh, th that the major parties, even Mike Harris, is not somebody who ideal ideologically, I think, is dramatically different than a Jean Chrétien. Um, they, they have differences of degrees more so than sort of where they come to the camp. What I find really interesting right now, though, is what's happening with the federal uh, Tory party, where you're sort of, it's being pulled in all these different directions when we ask about why Jean Charest is the leader. Well, one of the reasons he's the leader, I think, is because it was him or Elsie Wayne huh. after the last election. Yeah. So they flipped a coin and and he got it. Uh, you know, would he have been the leader after that if there had been, you know, 75 people to choose from instead of two? Uh, I, I personally like Charest and, and I find myself in the strange position as a uh, as somebody on the left of uh, finding these people who I used to think of as you know the opponent like a Sheree or like a Dalton Camp for instance or a Hugh Siegel and now they're saying these things that I like <laughs> and, and I wonder what's happened there have they changed have I changed has the whole playing field changed I think to a large degree I think the Conservative Party is trying to appeal to people like you yes um, sure I think that they were looking at the makeup of the country realizing the makeup of the country is predominantly left-wing and uh, if you want to get in power, even to pull in a right-wing policy, you've got to put a left-wing face forward. And they did that in the East uh, very successfully in the last election, where they were provincially, they were elected a government in uh, in PEI, I believe, by running to the left of the Liberal mm -hmm. Party. Uh, they also gained uh, in uh, in the East, well, the NDP did as well, but the Liberals did not do it at all well out in the East because it was perceived they were too right-wing around issues like UI, for instance. How do we explain, then, the, if there's a certain amount of consensus here that... that uh, there's not a lot of difference between them. Um, how do we explain the Reform Party? If, in fact, we are a leftist society or left-leaning society in, term, in a social sense, and, 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 and I think that, uh, I mean, I agree with both Bob and, and Jeff on this, which may sound a little funny, but I think there's, <laughs> there's a lot of common ground there. Um, we definitely are a more socialistic country than, than our neighbors to the south, for an example, but I don't think we're necessarily... Uh, more of a socialist country, if you take the, the the difference. But how do we explain the rise of reform and and the the although not seat winning strength they have in Ontario, they did pull a lot of voters in Ontario. They did in very the last well, election. actually. Yeah. yeah. So how do we explain that, Bob? If this is if this is a leftist country, we've got uh, what have they got? Sixty seats this time. Mm -hmm. um, you know. I didn't say there weren't any right wingers in the country. No, but <laughs> but but it seems to be a geographical thing. Is it simply geographical? Is it are there different sensibilities in the West? 
There are. Um, there is some hesitation with regards to geography. A lot of people in Ontario regard reform as, uh, as the equivalent of the separatists, only uh, from, from the west instead of from the east. Um, I think that's a false impression. At least it's not the impression that I share. Um, I think that there's uh, still a very strong uh, liberal support in ideology in, in Ontario. I think Ontario is, is basically the engine of the philosophy of this country in a large degree. Ontario and Quebec combined, actually. Mm -hmm. But that's, uh, that's a factor of numbers. We're, we're the most populated provinces. So in a democratic system, that's where all the emphasis is going to be. And uh, to me, you know, watching, watching federal politics in this country, it's always been the Quebec issue. That just dominates everything. Um, all of this, you know, posturing and changing leaders and trying to, to appeal to people, it's all geared towards a Quebec agenda. And I think that concerns a lot of people, and, and particularly reformers, who, who are tired of, of having, you know, nine of the ten provinces always have to bow down to the one. This is Talk of the Town on 1290 CJBK, left, right, and center, a regular weekly feature with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. If you'd care to join the discussion, of course, we'd love to have you do that. 643-1290 is the telephone number. Star 1290 is our Cantel number. We'll be back to continue the conversation and hopefully have you join us as well right after this. With the changing political scene uh, federally and, by extension, uh, provincially in Quebec, I thought it would be interesting this morning to talk to our two guests, uh, my, not guests, my two co-hosts for this portion of the program every Wednesday, left, right, and center, um, and talk a little bit about the, the federal landscape, and we've kind of touched on it very briefly here. Um, I'm going to ask you guys to, to, to look ahead, if you will, and this is always a tough thing to do, but it's easy to do because nobody will remember what you say 10 years now anyway. <laughs> Given the trends that we see today, the things that we see today, reform apparently stalled at the Ontario border, although with significant support in Ontario. Charest may be going to Quebec, may conceivably diffuse that, that, um, um, that situation. I heard the, the phrase mentioned the other day, or used the other day, diffuse it for a generation. May not solve the problem, but he may be able to kind of smooth it so we can you know, move ahead for a while together anyway. Where do you think we will be 10 years from now, philosophically? in this country? And Jeff, I'll ask you first. Well, good question. I, I, uh, it seems to me that sort of from the little bit of, uh, of history that I know about that we will swing one way and swing the other. And the question is 10 years from now, whether which side of the swing will be on. Uh, I suspect that one way or another, a relatively centrist party will still be governing because I think that's sort of the Canadian way. Uh, I suspect that the uh, Tories will have a re rebirth and that the uh, Reform Party will probably be like the NDP party where they have more or less success in different elections depending on the issue but that because they're much more ideologically driven they're not likely to govern very often they, they may well have formed a government you know by then though it just depends on the economy and some other things Robert what about you it's uh, before I answer that I'd just like to ask Jeff a question when you said we'll swing one way or the other what did you see at both ends of the swing philosophically Phil's, well I guess uh, I see you and I see me <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we're gonna end up in the center is what you say well and that's sort of where we are you, you know see there, there's a mode of thought and I and there's some truth to it I think that uh, regardless of what government you get in it's always a center government because it's the center that moves around mm -hmm. yeah and that when you're talking about uh, any popular government, uh, it's always going to be viewed as a, as a center-type government. People think that, that, you know, let's take the name of the show, Left, Right, Center. It sounds like left and right are two real extremes, mm -hmm. and center is the common-sense, middle-of-the-road mm -hmm. uh, issue. Well, I don't really believe that's true. Sometimes I think the center is the dangerous place to mm -hmm. be. 
that's actually the undecided. That's the people who, who aren't maybe philosophically guided, who are willing to go and accept what they regard as a wrong answer or a right answer for just to get a solution to a certain problem. Well, and I think you don't want to think about why some people vote, like what the things they're voting for. Yeah. Oh, it's frightening when you think about <laughs> that. You know, but uh, again, you know, Jim, you're saying that uh, you know reform is stalled at Ontario. Well, that's just a, 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 um, an illusion created by our electoral system. I think if we had a proportional representation system where we actually had some kind of proportional Mm -hmm. um, seating in, in, in the legislature and in Parliament, we'd see a totally different Where would we be? Do you know there. offhand? I, I mean, I know you've looked into Gee, this, I but don't I don't remember how okay, the stats wanna... worked out last time, but I think you'd see some reformers okay. sitting in Ontario for mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. What about the argument, or not the argument, but the discussions now, if Charest goes, and I think most people expect he will, um, I, I, for one, thought from day one that he would, and then quite frankly, totally. I changed my mind two days ago. I had some discussions with local Tories, and they were saying, you know, that's not what we're hearing. Um, but yes, with his announcement yesterday, I think I'm back to believing that he will well, go. It's something hard to stay as leader, I would think, after he said that. Very difficult. So I'm thinking about it. Well, okay, if you're thinking about it, get out of here. Mm -hmm. um, that opens up some real possibilities for uh, a structural realignment at the federal level. And I said, uh, I said earlier last week that I thought March the 2nd will go down as a pivotal date in Canadian history. It's the date that Daniel Johnson announced he was going to step down. Because uh, Chere would move, and it would allow the, quote, right wing, to coalesce around some, some new vision, a vision that obviously Charest did not, uh, uh, did not exemplify. And Bob, I'll ask you first, but Jeff, I want to ask you about this too from, from the left perspective. It, it, we, we've since heard that the Tories are saying, no, there's no, sen there's no spirit of reform in the Tory party anywhere. The reformers have left and gone to join reform. All the people who support the Tory party are Tories. Boom, bang, end of story. Um, it has also been suggested that many of the reform supporters um, yeah, there, there's reform supporters, but they still do have sort of a soft spot for the Tories. Do you, Bob, think that there is an opportunity here for the right to coalesce? Do you think that it can come together in, in the way that it used to? And again, we're using right kind of, you know, in a generic sense. But when the Tories and the Liberals were more or less balanced in terms of the power uh, uh, that they wielded in the country before this, this uh, you know, the, the destruction of the first Charest election, do you see any chance for reform and Tories to come together if Charest's out of the picture? Um, the, red, the reddest Tory of them all going where he belongs to the Liberal Party. I yeah, it was a Campbell election, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly see an effort to unite the right. In fact, next week on Friday, I'm going to be speaking at the Royal York at the Roots of Change conference that's being uh, promoted by a group out of, out of Calgary. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're, they're, I know they're, that even uh, the Reform Party uh, has set up a special, um, I guess you call it, committee to try and quote, unite the right. Mm -hmm. But they're not looking just for right-wingers. They also are looking for people who might share a lot of their views from liberal camps and from... Uh, I've heard that there are a lot uh, of people who swing between the NDP and the Reform Party as... And it, which seems very strange, but that uh, both parties are sort of on the periphery and that they don't like mainstream politics and they want something that's different, uh, which... Well, sometimes what they're looking for is a little more principle. You may find yeah. this hard to believe, but uh, with Freedom Party here in Ontario, we found most of our converts and people 
some of our most solid supporters came from the NDP, not from the Liberals and mm -hmm. Conservatives. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a hard pill for even a lot of our, our supporters <laughs> sometimes to, to, to swallow. Is it a problem but, for the Reform Party that, that, as many people see, Preston Manning has abandoned some of those principles that he espoused? The occupation of, of Stornoway, just as an example, the, uh, the makeover, the new haircut, the contacts, uh, the voice training, all of these things that smack of, of Ottawa politics and, and not the politics of principle, which I've heard it referred to, of his father, for example, of E.C. Man. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of discontent among uh, certain groups of reformers that, that Manning has, quote, betrayed their original cause. Uh, again, I don't know that that's true. Um, I have personally met with Manning a few times, and I find him to be a very principled and, and uh, you know, upfront type of guy. Mm -hmm. he, he tells you what he thinks. And uh, if he doesn't want to tell you, he won't. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, nevertheless, I think what you're seeing and, and what's difficult for people to understand is if you want to get elected, again, you've got you to appeal to a broader base of voters because... I mean, there are only so many, quote, right-wingers in the country, and unfortunately, they're outnumbered by the left-wingers. Mm -hmm. So if you want to appeal to something in the left wing, you've got to find some kind of, uh, of an appeasing policy that won't water down your own principles too much and yet uh, maybe draw some new blood into the party from, from other sources. And uh, that's, just, that's just the nature of the numbers game, which, again, I come back to this proportional representation thing. We just aren't ever going to solve that problem until we get rid of this first-past-the-post electoral system that only serves a two-party system. Jeff, from, again, from the uh, uh, viewpoint of the left, as you look at the right, do you see, uh, do you see movement? Do you sense movement there? I know you're, you're involved politically, too. You're not just yep. philosophically on the left. You're politically involved. What do you see there? Well, I, I, I think that there has been movement. Now, um, to some extent, you look to the United States as well, because I think that part of the uh, rise of the right in Canada was, was a reaction to or uh, came along with a rise in the right uh, in the United States, which seems to have sort of died down right now. Um, although, when I say that, I shouldn't, you know, the, the other side of that, though, is that... Uh, you can say that Bill Clinton is in the White House and that he's a Democrat, but uh, a lot of the policies that he's adopted are ones that were strongly pushed by the right, mm -hmm. such as uh, welfare reform, for instance, uh, uh, not changing health care and those well, kinds of things. Well, and where have we seen that north of the border, too? I mean, there, yeah. you know, Vishen, uh, Kretchen has absorbed a lot of the policies of the Tories and reform. So it may be that that's a very effective political strategy, is that you uh, you appear as a specter that is that has a credible uh, weight to say, you know, we've, we want you to take us seriously here, and the mainstream government then does, and they go in that direction. Um, um, but uh, as far as where things are going in the larger picture, I, I'm, I'm really interested uh, about what's going to happen with um, with the Tories, because to me they're the bellwether. That, that, that's where things go, and if they go right, then, uh, uh, for instance, if they could ever achieve a, a juncture with um, the Reform Party, then uh, they're obviously going to be a big force to be reckoned with, and the conventional wisdom right now is that unless they do, they're not likely, neither of them is likely to form a government unless something really dramatic happens. Um, for me, it's also interesting provincially because, uh, of course, some days I wake up and think, you know, I've got to start the Ontario Reform Party going here because uh, that's the best way to defeat my Harris in the next election. Uh, it's also the sort of uh, conundrum that we constantly have between Liberals and NDPs that uh, it's this issue of do you try and get together to make sure you're running things or do you stand on the outside and shout where you can have a louder voice. My sense is that if you're in a governing party, in a lot of ways, you've got to keep your mouth shut, especially for an elected representative. Mm -hmm. Well, it worked well for Pierre Trudeau. I mean, <laughs> when he, whenever he ran in an election, he said nothing. 
I mean, it was a perfect campaign mm -hmm. uh, platform sure. to go on. And Gretchen did a fair bit of that in the last election, too. Yeah. And then you've got MPs, like, we hear about discontent in the Liberal Party, for instance, but you rarely hear MPs publicly criticizing the Prime Minister. After John Nunziati, you know why, you know. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, because I want to, uh, if we can, just slip to that just for a second. Because, again, we've got guys from two different sides of the spectrum here. Is that a positive thing for the, for the country? When that when Nunziata when that happened, I we had did some programming here on Talk of the Town, but did a couple of programs about it. And, and my feeling was, and my feeling remains, that it, it, there's a a question of to me to me, and I don't mean to insult any MP, and I I'm, I don't intend this to sound insulting, but to me there is a question of ethics here. Um, at what point is it responsible for an MP to stand up and say to the leader, I don't care that you're the leader of the party. I understand the value of the party system and so on. But what you're doing is wrong, and I'm going to speak out against it. I don't, you know, uh, Nunziata did it, and Nunziata was punished, and the other couple of guys, too, that were, that were turfed. Um, I'm not a big fan of John Nunziata by any means, but I my respect for him grew considerably as a result of that. Oh, sure. Because he did say... I'm not, I cannot do this. I will not do this. Do what you will with me, but, but I'm not going to kowtow to the Prime Minister. We are told that Chrétien rules with an iron hand, although it doesn't, publicly doesn't seem that, but we're told that he brooks very little opposition, um, and that everybody in caucus understands that you screw with the Prime Minister and he'll screw you into the ground. Is that a positive thing for our country? I think that uh, yeah, there has to be some party discipline, and uh, otherwise uh, you end up with a um, a fractured system. And, I, and I, I can't say I know much about the Italian system, for instance, but I'm aware that they change governments a lot. Mm -hmm. No, it's also a very prosperous country. Maybe it's not such a big deal, but in order to have the stability, I think there has to be a party discipline. However, I think that it's a very wise thing to allow dissent, and that's something that Mike Harris has done. You know, he's had uh, a number of MPPs who have mm -hmm. criticized him publicly, and he's never publicly lifted a finger against them, and I think that's a very canny move. Uh, it dissipates a lot of a lot of steam that otherwise could build up. You know, it seems like if a, if a Tory MPP disagrees with the Premier, he can say so or she can say so, uh, and I think that that's a, that's a healthy thing. Bob, what about you from your side? Is, is it a good thing? Well, I think it's a good thing possibly for the party. Um, for the country, I think you have to be talking about different things. Policy. You have to be talking about the policy of whatever the total government is putting through for the country. Um, I know, for example, uh, for example, with Freedom Party, if somebody's running for our party, they have to basically agree with the, the bulk of our principles. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be running for the party. Mm -hmm. And that, I would assume, would hold true of, of any other political party. Now, of course, there is room for dissension on certain areas above principle. We never have a problem with that. We allow a lot of dissent within our party. We mm -hmm. even print stuff in our own publications that may not be party policy, mm -hmm. just so that we can entertain and educate and see the other side of, of the viewpoint. At least to you know know, know thine enemy sometimes mm -hmm, sure. is often a good uh, way of looking at it. But uh, generally, uh, whether it's good or, good or bad for the country, I think is a question that relates to policy. You know, right now we've just gone through this process in Ontario called Ontario Speaks, which was an offshoot of the Calgary Declaration, wherein we're going to see a you know Meech Lake come back again on us, and that's going to be part of the the future uh, landscape here here in mm -hmm. Canada again, and. Uh, what we're seeing again is the way that most politicians think they are they are they seem to be po um, political parties for government rather than for people mm -hmm. i mean 
uh, all the debates we see are powers between the provinces and powers between uh, the federal government and you, the, the individuals left out. I see nothing in there was you know the word freedom doesn't even appear anywhere in the Calgary Declaration in terms of the things that we value in this country. Instead, they have egalitarianism and all kinds of rights, but no freedom. So what, what, what do you attach that to? They just like big words. Uh, well, <laughs> that's about it. And they like words that mean anything to anybody. And that's why I get a uh, little concerned when people talk about uh, uniting the left or uniting the right. Because uh, you're, you're uniting around a label that means a million different things to a million different people. And so quite often when you see uh, some sort of a... a unity effort, once people get together and they get in a room together, they start realizing how different they all think and they can't work together because if those fundamentals aren't there it, you're not going to have a smooth operating ship. So uh, I think if you had a p particular political party where you had too much internal dissension, that's not good for the party or for the country. Um, either way. This is Talk of the Town and we do run a smooth ship here. It's left, right and center with uh, Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer. We'll continue our conversation after this. This is Talk of the Town. It's left, right, and center with Schlemmer and Metz. Uh, we're here every Wednesday morning at this time between 11 and 12 to talk about things that catch our interest. And if it catches your interest, too, don't be afraid to give us a call. We're always, uh, we're always open to your thoughts and comments at 643-1290. Bob, you used the, 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 the term or alluded uh, a couple of minutes ago to principles, talking about parties and party principles and so on. I would think that most observers of the Canadian political scene w would probably be able to elucidate some of the principles of the NDP party, for example. I think probably to be able to come up with a thumbnail sketch of the principles of the Reform Party. But does anybody in this country from one end to the other know what the principles are of the Tories or the, or the, or the Liberals at the federal level? I mean, does principle play a, play a role there? It seems if you ask them, and I have done this during election campaigns, what do you, uh, nut, nutshell, what do you stand for? What do you believe in? Well, I believe in opportunity for Canadians. I believe in one Canada united from sea to sea. I believe in the protection of the, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. I believe in equality of opportunity for people. And what else do you believe? mumble 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 and you ask the Tories and they tell you exactly the same thing is is that a positive thing for a country that they are that flexible these are the two traditionally the two ruling uh, parties in this country and you can't nail either one of them down well that's I think strictly to get elected because one thing I learned uh, watching elections is that uh, it's easier by saying nothing you'll get fewer people will have something against you. If you say one thing that upsets people, even though they like 99 of the other things mm -hmm. you said, that one thing will prevent them from, from electing you. Mm -hmm. so, you're, so when you're in an election, if the aim is to get elected, and that's it, you're going to say as little as possible and, and use the, the most generalized platitudes you can possibly name. Like all those things you just listed, none of those represent a principle. Mm -hmm. Those are just uh, pie-in-the-sky wishes, and, yeah. and it'd be nice if it was like this. A principle is something much deeper on which all policy is based. And whether, you know, people may say, well, the Liberals and the, and the, and the Tories don't have any principles. That's not really true. We just haven't defined what their principle is. What do you think they are? What's and the principle of the Liberal Party beyond getting elected? Well, beyond that, I think it's it's essentially uh, a mixed principle, which again is dangerous. I'm, I'm talking about that middle of the ground, uh, center, center road uh, principle, because um, in other words, they, 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 they want to see a free society. If you look at uh, the Liberal Party, it does have a statement of principles, by the mm -hmm. way. And if you read it, 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 you wonder how it relates to their policies. Because they, they, in many ways, it reads like Freedom Party's statement.
statement of principle. Mm -hmm. You know, we believe in a free society, the dignity of the individual, um, uh, individual rights, that kind of thing. And, and yet here they are running basically all these collectivist policies. So they must believe something else. And uh, if you believe black and you believe white, and then you, you get this gray, some people seem to think, well, gray is the better of the two, the black and the white. Well, if you've already predefined that white is good and black is evil, in that terms, and mm -hmm. you accept gray, that means you've accepted some evil. Mm -hmm. You've accepted some things that you regard as bad. But some people would but, say that that is the essence of the political process. It is compromise because we can't agree on all these things. Uh, that I would say that's a valid compromise in terms of negotiating in a free marketplace. But in politics, it, it means a difference. Can mean a difference between life and death, freedom, or totalitarianism, and. Uh, Traditionally, every country that's gone, quote, gray ends up at the black end. Uh, it doesn't go the other way. Uh, to, to stick to the so-called white principles, however you define them, I'm not getting okay. into that, mm -hmm. uh, you have to be true, true, true to your principles consistently and always apply them consistently. And uh, I just think in this country, freedom has been sold, sold out to a large degree because uh, people want free benefits, and you can't have free benefits like free health care and free free education without uh, sacrificing a lot of your freedom, which would be fine if that was an individual choice, but when we do it collectively, politically, then everybody has it for, foisted upon them. Now, Jeff, we know from experience that you like those free things. You think that they're, and I, I'm, not, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to disparage you by saying it in those terms, but, but you do. You like those free things. You think we can provide them and so on. Yeah. Um, can we provide them without losing our freedom? Uh, oh, sure. And uh, when... when when uh, you talk about me liking the free things, obviously what I'm saying is that I'd like to pay for them th through taxes rather than something else. I pay uh, you know, lots of tax, and I think that it, I just happen to think that that's a more efficient way of delivering those services that, that we all like. But uh, if I could so go you're back to conservative. Minute, <laughs> you, believe in, you believe in efficiency. Well, let me, let me tell you what I think the difference is between the Tories and the Liberals, as seen by the Liberals. And I think that if you ask uh, people who've been Liberals for a long time, they would tell you that the Liberals, in their mind, and I'm not saying that this is the way it is, but in their mind, they're a slightly nicer party, and they're a slightly milder party. Um, I hear about how the Liberal Party is a big tent with room enough for everybody, and it, and it is very proud of its tradition of compromise, that they see themselves as the party that sort of goes out and sees what's happening out there, gets all the ideas in there together, and tries to figure out what does everybody want that we can all get along with. And I, and I actually don't disagree with that. I think that's actually a good way to run a railroad. And I think that that is uh, probably something that Canadians are thought of uh, around the world as being well, the people who are nice political party try to get along. Why don't we just all hook into our computers and everybody just vote for what they want. And whatever comes out, we can just appoint somebody and uh, that'll be the policy of the Well, country. and it may be that, uh, that you know, we'll see more of that in the future. And we're certainly seeing it now with polling and everything. But I think that what liberals would say is that they then filter that through their niceness filter. Now, whether that actually ends up happening <laughs> is a only other thing. I think as well that they would say that they are uh, a slightly more sophisticated party in some ways than the Tories, uh, that they're more the party of large business. Uh, uh, I, I, my understanding is that the Liberals tend to get more support from big business than the oh, Tories absolutely, do. Absolutely. Uh, if you look which, at, the, at the contribution list, I always get a kick out of it. Which a lot of people because, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't appreciate. Because I get accused of being a mouthpiece for the corporate interests of this country, and all I have to show them is, uh, look, at we get no corporate contributions. <laughs> the Liberals and Conservatives get all of them in this country. So who's the mouthpiece for corporate interests well, in this country? Well, you know, it's Jeff, big business. Small yeah. business story. <laughs> Building on what you said, though, the interesting thing you said there, that, that if, if the liberals are, in fact, this kind of inclusory party, the nice guys, the guys that take all the ideas and kind of filter them so they're acceptable to the majority of people, yeah. um, 
a lot of people have been concerned about the lack of, of real opposition to them in, in, in the sense that the right is fragmented and the left is, the NDP is stumbling and so on and the blocks doing whatever the block does. does. If what you're right, if what you're saying is true, then it, could, could we not then posit that our system is very effective? If, if we forget about ideology, if we forget about whether you're wearing a, a red maple leaf or a blue maple leaf on your lapel, what you've just described might very well be an interesting way to run a railroad because you've got reform saying these policies are important to us we believe in them we're committed to these policies these policies will work and they're selling it to a certain amount of, of the population you've got the tories saying well as soon as we figure out what our policies are we'll tell you but we used to have some and we'll have some in the future again right i mean they will there's no question you've got the ndp saying well this is what we believe in this is what's important to some canadians um maybe that idea maybe it's not such a bad idea that we do have kind of this national governing party that keeps sucking all the good part, good ideas from everybody else because certainly that's what the liberals have done in the last in the last five years well, yeah and I, and I had read recently and i, and I <clears throat> hope i can get this right that uh, somebody had asked Gretchen during one of the interviews about what would you like to be remembered for what's your legacy as prime minister what's the big thing that you accomplished or whatever and he said I, I, I'm not interested in any big thing. He said, what I'd like to be remembered for is the guy who ran things in a way that made most Canadians, you know, reasonably happy. And that's it. That's his, his modest goal. And again, that's not such a bad thing. And I think, you know, aside from the fact that, uh, that Bob and I can get on and we can complain loudly about this, that, and the other issue, that by and large, in Canada today, things are not so bad. And the average person is not that wound up about anything. I don't think there's any question the average person isn't that wound up because we see, we have seen, and, and this program is a good opportunity for me to see that too, or I've brought things to people's attention that I thought were a little outrageous or a little outlandish, uh, a little uh, uh, out of proportion on the part of the government, uh, a little foolish on the part of the government, and there's a certain number of people who will say, yeah, I understand what you're talking about and I've been following this too, but there's an awful lot of people who just kind of, well, okay, yeah, gee, they shouldn't have done that, should they? And then tomorrow, that's gone and forgotten, and, and we press on. Is this a Canadian phenomenon? Is, it, is, this, is, is our political system a result of who we are, or, or are we the people we are because of our political system? That's a good question. I, th I think it's the former. It's, uh, and I think where you're going to see political change is not in political parties per se, but in the electorate. And that's why I think it's important for all kinds of political parties, lobby groups, and everyone else to be part of the political scene and to have the freedom of expression that we require in a free democracy to get their ideas out so that people can compare and choose the idea that suits them best. And doesn't this support the idea that, that I know you fellows believe in and I believe in very strongly that we do have to speak out on issues? We can't say, oh, we can't say our voice doesn't matter, my opinion doesn't matter. Oh, it does. It, it matters incredibly. In fact... Uh, you know, Freedom Party has never had a candidate elected yet, but I know we've had an incredible impact on the, on the electoral scene in this province and in the country, just by the networking we've done and by the influence. And I, I hear our own ideas come back at us from people that didn't share them earlier on 10 years ago. Um, the things that we were saying, like in 1984 when we started, was uh, totally politically incorrect. You just couldn't say them then. Today, it's almost mainstream. So... Political change is is coming, and it's coming fast, and it's in, in a lot of ways it's being foisted upon us by the realities of marketplace uh, economics, mm -hmm. not politics. 
One of the things that strikes me, though, and I don't want to interrupt you there, so maybe let you finish your thought, but uh, it seems to me, even compared to two years ago when Mike Harris was elected, for instance, that, that, that people were a lot more uh, on the ragged edge than they were, that, that people have sort of settled down. And I, I was mentioning uh, before uh, the break about uh, this fellow in the United States who has come out now and apologized in Esquire magazine, I believe, to Bill mm -hmm. Clinton, saying, yes. sorry for all the trouble I've caused with uh, Paula Jones and uh, Ken Starr and everybody else. Yep. He said, I did it because I was a Republican, a conservative, and I just wanted to nail you. And he says, that wasn't a good idea. We shouldn't have gone down that road. And I think that uh, one of the things that I really like about Canada and... and uh is that sort of given the least excuse, we sort of do go back to being tolerant and civil and all that kind of stuff, that uh, we don't have the sort of, that, that just sort of raw edge of the politics, the personal part of it. And then we can talk about the ideologies and stuff. Uh, and that's something that, uh, from my standpoint, is a good thing, that rather than having a government driven by an ideology and making uh, a, a third of the people furious all the time, they sort of say, well, here's a little bit for you and a little bit for you. And uh, the job gets done. Okay, we got a little bit for you too, right after this on Left, Right and Center. Right and Center with Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer, and Chuck joins us. Good morning, Chuck. Morning, Jim. Yes, sir. Good morning to you, gentlemen. Morning. morning. Uh, I was just going to ask you if, if either one of you has read the uh, 1837 Rebels Fought Ruled by Elite. elite? Bob, I'm sorry, what was that again? 1837 Rebels Fought Ruled by Elite. And back then, there was a Reform Party. And I did. In the Rebellion of 1837? Huh? In the Rebellion of 1837? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you read that? I didn't read the book, but I've, I've heard of the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, quite, it's quite an article. I, as I said, Where's, where was this article? Huh? Where was this article? It was in a magazine I read. And <laughs> like, like everything else, I read a magazine, and then the wife takes them and puts them in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and I well, use my magazine. Better the magazine than you, Chuck. I mean. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, but anyway, I, I lost the... I lost the article. Well, yeah, there was I remember a, reading it about it. Yeah, there was a there was a, a party that used the reform label. I'm not sure how close philosophically they are to what we call the reform party today. Yeah, but in this constitution that that come through this book that I remember is yeah. that each party, uh, like say uh, the conservative party or the liberal party, if they wanted to fire, you know, get rid of uh, Harris or anybody like that, the party could fire them. Well, they can do that today. The, the party could get rid of Harris today if they want. It happened to Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what isn't that what happened to Joe Clark? Well, in a, yeah, basically, yes. Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. So it can happen. There's, it's I, no different I, today. I, you don't hear it of it anymore. No, because the parties don't want to do that. No. They don't want to get rid of Mike Harris. No, and that's what I was just wondering. And then you were talking about uh, Quebec, and uh, I think Bob was talking about uh, how how the country would act on that mm -hmm. and i don't know how you people feel on acting right but i uh like i have relatives in manitoba and i have relatives in calgary and friends in british columbia mm -hmm. and they feel the same that you know if if creature and what happened i think is that the federal government give too much power to the to provinces no maybe i'm wrong but mm -hmm. i think it did it's like uh you know so what do they think is going to happen they they think yeah well as far as they're concerned like relatives in Manitoba and everything, as far as they're concerned, if the federal government lets Quebec go, they don't care. They don't care whether they stay in Canada or not. If 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 this is what's going to happen, if mm -hmm. the federal government isn't strong enough to hang on to the country, they don't care. No, they'll care when it hits their pocketbook, though, which it likely will. Well, yeah, but see, see, the problem is they're so close to the states, like uh, Manitoba. Yeah. 
and they're farmers, and mm-hmm. they can take everything to the states. They can, you know, take all their farm products and everything and go well, to the states, which a, a lot of the that, which a lot of them are doing. That's right assuming now. though that the states will want their farm products. I mean, NAFTA exists between Canada and the United States. There's no guarantee that NAFTA would be would be uh, would be uh, uh, reapproved by the U.S. Congress. In fact, there's a lot of speculation that it wouldn't be. Yeah, so those farmers in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, they'd have all this stuff and they could sell it wherever they want, but it wouldn't be in the United States, at least not without tariff barriers. So well, that's one of the problems with folding the thing up is that there's all these economic ramifications. Chuck, I have to leave it there. I'm sorry to cut you off, but we're running short of time, and we want to get Bill on. Uh, and Bill's up next. Hi, Bill. Hi, Jeff and Jim and uh, Bob. Yeah. Hi, there. Hi uh, one, one thing I heard you guys talking about was uh, how uh, Canadians are pretty easygoing and we accept things. But I think people are realizing that even when you bring something up to the prime minister or the premier, they'll just say, well, if you don't like it, vote us out. So that's what uh, Canadians do a lot of times, you know. Yeah. Well, they yeah. figure there's not much they can do till election time. Mm-hmm. Well, and it seems like often the results of elections are based on a reaction to the existing government more so than saying we want this new guy in. It's just we want that old guy out. Precisely where I was going with my <laughs> comment. In fact, in, fact, in fact, that's the weakness of, of, of our whole system is, is, is all these unite whatever factions together is really to get the other faction out. It's not mm-hmm. so much moving in a positive direction, it's moving away from a direction that one perceives as negative. But unless you know where the positive direction is, you might be going to another negative direction trying to get away from one bad thing to another but bad thing. But isn't the assumption when, you, when we make those votes, though, that this other party is, is equally competent and has an has a, has a equally valid vision, although a different one? I mean, don't we, don't we kind of take for granted, maybe we shouldn't, but don't we kind of take for granted, like the last time, Canadians voted overwhelmingly to get rid of the Tories, but to get rid of Brian Mulroney, hang the son of a gun from the nearest tree, get him out of there. But at the same time, don't you think that there was some sense in the part of Canadians that once the Liberals get in here, they'll do a decent job. They're not going to wreck the country on us, so we can safely go to the Liberals. I think there might have been some of that, but I, I wouldn't say in the main. I would say most of the Liberals getting in after after Mulroney was a was a backlash against Mulroney, just like in Ontario, Harris getting in. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. I agree. But what I'm saying is I think at the same time, I don't think that backlash would have been as comfortable for people if they were afraid of the Liberals. They weren't afraid of the Liberals. Can I just make one more point? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, too, like the uh, economics of the nation is pretty well making all the parties the same. Like, it doesn't matter whether Bob Ray wants to get in or Jean Chrétien. If there's only so much money in the bank, there's only so many things they can do. And then if they're in debt, then they all have to uh, tighten their belts to get out of debt. Yeah, so point. it makes them all the same almost. Good point. Thanks, Bill. You're welcome. We'll be right back to wrap up the show after this. I don't know where the time goes when we do this. It seems like we're chat, 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 and I look at the clock, and there's 10 minutes left, and there's now like a minute left. Uh, always a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for coming in today. We'll Thank see you, you again Thank next you. Wednesday. Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz will be with us for the next edition of Left, Right, and Center.